Hey, this is Brett, and we are excited to let you know that today's show is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Channel, one of our favorite places to get your nature fix, where you can explore the real Rockies. From award-winning documentaries to music in the mountains, this is Adventure with a Conscience. We think you're going to love it. You can check it out and subscribe at RockyMountainChannel.com. Brett here to inspire you once again to connect with nature for mindfulness and for personal growth, naturally. Man, it is really good to have you back here for another Fireside Friday. I never want to take my friends for granted who show up here regularly because they love nature, because you love nature, because you want to be the best version of yourself and you believe nature is the best way you can do that. And so every Fireside Friday, we just plan on digging deeper into that concept. And today, we get to meet with writer, speaker, columnist, and author of the book, Your Inner Guidance, The Path to Discovering Your True Happiness, Paul Hudon. Paul lives just 100 miles or so down the road from us here in Colorado, where when he's not writing and speaking or walking in the woods with his dogs and his wife, Jane, he helps her grow and sell flowers as a business. It's a beautiful life. And I discovered Paul, I think it was on LinkedIn, I had seen his book, Your Inner Guidance, and reached out to him, and we struck up a conversation which has now turned into a brand new friendship. Uh, He's just a gentle, kind soul, and he and I had a great time talking about his spiritual journey of how he discovered and came to trust his inner guide, his book, and also the concept of listening in nature. I think you're really, really going to enjoy today's show, so come on in and have a seat. Well, Paul, thank you so much for agreeing to join us here on Fireside Friday at Mountain Zen Den. We, it's a privilege to have you here. Well, thank you so much for invi- inviting me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you. We were talking a little bit before we hit record about how you were a carpenter before, and you, it's been, what, five or six years since you were a carpenter. But tell me a little bit about that. Just uh, jump right in. <laughs> um, I was fortunate uh, the high school I went to had a fairly decent in industrial arts program. Yeah. Uh, and I needed an elective. Uh, and so I, uh, I took woodworking. And I took it for two years. And then my senior year, um, you could have either one, any one of the other subjects, metal shop, auto shop, or woodworking, uh, as your, your primary elective. And so I was in woodshop every day, uh, right after anatomy and physiology, but I was in woodshop every day, my entire senior year in high school. And I left high school knowing I wanted to work with wood uh, because being creative in my family was okay, uh, which was good. It was allowed, huh? (laughs) It was, yeah, because many families it's kind of shunned upon or something, you know, you have to go to college. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I took a year off. I went to Yosemite National Park uh, because we rock climbed as kids and my brother was there. And so I got a job flipping pancakes in the cafeteria, but it didn't matter because I was, I was 19 years old living in a national park. I mean, seeing the world, you know, for wow. the first time like that, uh, 
climbing, skiing, mountain biking, or bike, riding my bicycle. Um, and actually, I, I would, every once in a while, I'd, I'd build a table for my dorm room or build a set of bunk beds for my dorm room. Uh, and then after that, I returned back home and became a carpenter's apprentice. And so I became a carpenter's apprentice the day after my 20th birthday. And that gave me um, the opportunity to, to work with wood and work with other people. And still as a carpenter, it gave me an opportunity to travel around. And that was your, that's your lifelong, that was what you did then at, at age yeah, I was 20, a it started your life. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then at, at the end of the 38 years, you, I just, I needed more connection and that fits right into my story. Uh, and I just didn't have, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it anymore. And I always told myself that if I wasn't feeling it, it was time to get out because I didn't want to get it, get to the point where I was resentful that I was still doing it. Yes. Yeah. You were listening. It sounds like. I was, um, which, but the thing is, you when you lose your connection, you start to wonder what's wrong with you. Mm. You know, because I, I would say, "Boy, I love this. I love what I do. How come I don't have that connection?" Wow. And so I just started reading everything I could about, and, and I stumbled upon spirituality because I I knew it wasn't the industry. I knew it wasn't my clients. I, I knew it had to be within me. So it wasn't any one particular thing about your job you didn't like, but. You just didn't have the connection. Yeah, I mean, I was doing incredible work. You know, I was doing some of the the, the last five or six years. I was doing some of the best work I had ever I had ever done. Yeah, but it felt like it was like wow, I I, I needed more. It was like I be you know I wanted more and more, but it wasn't satisfying. It was I felt like a junkie. You know, it was like I wanted more and more. <laughs> and um, so I I really started reading and started writing in a journal. Hmm. And I was doing some side work along the way. Um, and then I had something happen to me in my wood shop uh, where I injured myself. But the whole time I had a gut feeling that I shouldn't be doing the job. Um, and I had had gut feelings in my in my past and I ignored them and I wound up in the emergency room. And wow. But at, at this point, I thought, you know, I, I needed the money and I was trying to find that connection again. Um, and I remember um, I found out how close, too close was to a rotating cutter head. And um, as I was on my way to the emergency room, I could see a direct link between my intuitive feeling and, and the outcome of what had just happened. But the interesting thing is someone said to me, it wasn't, was it the intuitive feeling that caused the injury? I said, no, because I've had intuitive feelings before and I followed the guidance and changed my direction and I had a wonderful day and nothing happened. Wow. It's when we ignore the guidance that we wind up in trouble. But the crazy thing is you learn the lesson after. Mm, yes. In this case, you were you lived to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it wasn't big. I still have all 10 fingernails. Oh, that's Another, good. <laughs> they, they look one looks a little funky. Um, <laughs> but I remember going to the emergency room. My wife was driving 
Uh, she never speeds, but she was that day. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I will never, ever doubt an intuitive feeling again. Wow. And I will live the rest of my life checking in my, with my intuition before I do anything. So it was that strong I, when you had it that you knew, was. There, no doubt, that this it was. A- there were no doubts. Hmm. No. Because I, I had a history of ignoring in, gut feelings. Yeah. And winding up getting injured. But you don't really put it together. And there's a reason why we ignore intuitive feelings. And this one, I needed the money. Mm -hmm. I needed the money. And, you know, maybe that's what surrender is all about, you know, but it wasn't. (laughs) And then another time I wound up in the emergency room, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to disappoint my friends. And I didn't want them to think that uh, I was bailing on them, you know, or leaving the the trip. And so I went ahead anyway and wound up getting injured. Wow. So there are a number of things in our lives that prevent us from trusting and following that intuitive feeling. It sounds like on your way to the emergency room that day, you said, this is, uh, never will I ignore it again. Did you connect that with uh, had you been writing about it at that time, or is that when you started writing? Well, I had been writing in a journal for a long time, mm-hmm. but at that point, I, I I had been writing, um, but I sure wrote a lot after that. <laughs> <laughs> <I bet. laughs> wow! <laughs> because because then you start to put the pieces together. Yes, and then for me, it's like, okay, why did I ignore the gut feeling? And I really started to peel back the layers. It's like, okay, let's go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's frightening to think, or it's sad to think that I got to the point where I realized I didn't love myself enough to follow my intuition, which is heartbreaking. And it's emotional for me to even say that. But I think if, if a lot of us would have taken an honest look at our lives, the root of some of our behavior is because we lack our own self-love. Hmm. Some people would call that selfishness or whatever. What you know, you 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 wanted to not let your friends down, and so you were being unselfish. How did you know? How do you define the difference between those? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, because for me, it's important to be selfish, but there are two sides of every coin. Yeah, and I think the the side of selfishness that we've been taught throughout our lives. Uh, is the negative side of selfishness. Don't be selfish, sacrifice your life, you know, sacrifice yourself and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But self-love is a totally selfish act because who is going to love me but me? Hmm. I mean, my wife loves me, which is great, but I have to, it's my responsibility to take care of myself, my responsibility to love myself my responsibility to pay attention to my intuition. And that's why um, I love the conversation about selfishness because it we almost turn it on its head and, and realize that our, our happiness is our selfish responsibility. Mm. Boy, when you put those two words together, selfish and responsibility, it suddenly makes more sense. Sure. And, and what's really funny is, uh, so I, I trim the end of my index finger 
But you know what the index finger always does? It's always pointing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so I mean, it, it's pointing directly at me, you know? And, and yes. so that's what I, what I wrote about throughout my journal is that it's not a coincidence that I drew mm. my index finger. Interesting. Because that finger is the finger that points to me. It's like, wow. this is my responsibility. It's not yours, not my mom's, not my wife's. It's not the guy down the road. It's my responsibility. Good reminder. Did you have other people in your life that were having similar experiences so that you could connect it? Or was this just kind of a bolt out of the blue to you? Uh, <laughs> my, yeah. My mom always was really intuitive. Um, and I remember this one particular day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from an area that had a lot of snow, a lot of ice. And so one evening I was, I said, uh, I'm going to go sledding before dinner. And my mom said, no, I have that funny feeling. Don't go sledding. And I said, no, ma, come on, get over it. I'm going to go sledding. Well, I wound up hitting a tree and breaking my arm. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Mom mom knew best. (laughs) Sounds like, and you you had mentioned to me uh, that you had been in Outward Bound. Uh, Was that around the same time? Well, not really Outward Bound, but... um, we I we started rock I started rock climbing at thirteen or yeah thirteen started 13. hiking at eleven yeah um, I taught rock climbing at summer camp all through high school mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about being in the mountains and being in the wilderness any kind of wilderness situation is that to be successful you have to tune into your intuition mm. because you you know should you go forward should you not I mean I remember being on a hike where everything was great. I was feeling really good. It was a beautiful day. I was hiking alone. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice turn around. I'm like, okay. I just turned and, around. And you listened that fast. Yeah, because yeah. at some point you have to, especially if you're in the wilderness alone, you have to trust that. Mm. Now, what would have happened if I had kept going? I'm glad I didn't find out. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, one of the things that was challenging for me was taking that intuitive feeling from the wilderness and bringing it into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of times, if we're out in the wilderness, if we're out alone, if we're traveling alone, let's say if you've ever traveled alone, your radar is on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, whoa, I'm in a new place. I'm in a new hotel, new, you know, maybe a new country. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're like hyper vigilant. You're really aware. Yes. Yeah. But a lot of times we let that guard down when we return back to our everyday lives. Oh, in other words, okay, now I'm in a safe place, my safe place. So I don't have sure. to listen anymore. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've had that experience where I'd be hiking along a trail, maybe along a stream and there's some boulders and rocks on either side. And just the hair on the back of my neck stood up a little. And I've heard people talk about mountain lions. They see you, but you don't necessarily see them. And even photographers who are out at 4.30 in the morning said that they've had that experience, that feeling they turn around and there was one following them. I never saw one during that time. We've seen a couple when we, my wife and I, when we've been horseback riding, but I didn't have that same feeling when I saw them versus just some weird feeling like you're, you're saying. Uh, it, it's interesting. And the, the thing is, a lot of times we just write it off as a weird feeling. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I've heard stories, and so therefore I'm thinking that that's just the story right. in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we see it as intuitive guidance, mm. 
sending us important messages, then we can use that to our benefit. Yeah. You and I just met, but I feel like I know you through this book I'm holding up right now, <laughs> Your Inner Guidance, which we love. It was on Melissa's side of the nightstand of the bed. So she, she's read through most of it, and I haven't gotten to all of it. I think I'm up to chapter five. If somebody didn't know you, they might say, yeah, he's just either he's superstitious or he is fearful, you know, to, to be just always listening to this voice telling him, don't do, don't do, don't do. But as I read this, I go, it's about love, too. Again, you, you start out with self-love, and it's about right. that loving uh, inner right. guidance, uh, not but, fear. Um, fear and love are opposites, is what my point. You could read the book and see it don't do. Or you could look at the other side of it, hmm. where it says "do." You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my just like reaching out to you for this right now. Yes, I yes. sat with it and I said, "Wow, should I reach out? Should I do this?" Do okay, great. You know, so so there's the other side of that, hmm. yes. and that is the side where we start to incorporate our, our self love. And then I just I I wrote a book. I'd never written a book before. Yeah. And then I wrote for, I wrote my blog for about, I wrote my blog for about six months. And then I, I thought, well, what now? And then it was like, start an e-newsletter. So I started my weekly. Hmm. And then I became a member of some writing, writing uh, organizations here in Colorado. So I could go to workshops and sort of see what happens next. Yes, yeah. Wow. Well, you mentioned that was your first book. I would never have known it by reading this book. My wife and I love to read a lot. And it reminded me, I love the question and answer style that you have, because it reminded me of uh, Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now, where oh. he, you know, the, those thoughts. And also Michael Singer in Untethered Soul. And Melissa's response was, Paul breaks it down so simply as if we're just having a conversation between, you know, right here, one to one. It was very refreshing and, and hearing some of the same things we had heard, but in a, in a new light for, through somebody else's eyes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wrote the book generally between 9.30 and 10.30 at night wow. when uh, the house was quiet and you know, Jane was reading and the dogs and the cats were all asleep. And the crazy thing about that book is I never had an outline. So the questions that you see were spontaneous. Incredible. As I was writing the answer, I would have a question and I would write the question and then I would get the answer and write the answer. Wow. And so that's how that whole book unfolded. I've always wanted to be a better person. So for me, you know, you can read all these great books on business and spirituality and whatever mm. your favorite subject is. But the bottom line is, how does it make you a better person? And that was the question I always asked myself, how can I be a better person? Had you been reading a lot of personal growth and spiritual growth books? I was reading a lot of, yes. So you, you were like interested in, you were interested in that I well, was. as you were as a carpenter, were a carpenter. Yeah. 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 I was reading that. And, and throughout that time, again, writing in a journal and rereading it mm. to see where I was at, because a lot of times until we go back and read what we've written, yeah, we can be fooling ourselves into thinking life is great. Hmm. Yeah. And then we read it and we go, and I remember one time in particular, um, I remember I had a week off and I was somewhere in the middle of the desert. And I remember reading, reading through my journal and realizing I am really unhappy. 
Mm, and, and you hadn't, you just didn't know that. Well, you, you know, you get caught up in everything and you, know, you go to work, you come home, you do the laundry, you have dinner, you go to bed, you get up, you go, you know, next thing you know, it's like four or five months later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was in writing my journal when I could. Wow. But then, you, then I realized, well, I really wasn't happy. And, I, and so I, I made a drastic change in my life. And then by making that change, the world just exploded. It was just amazing. The, the, the things that happened after that, when I took my own self-care as my priority. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I lived out of my truck for six weeks while I, my apartment got ready and I took showers at the Nautilus and, you know, that kind of slept on somebody's front porch. Uh (laughs) This is during the period when you weren't happy, you're saying. Yeah. 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 But it was like, but at least then, you know, I, I could trust that things were working in my favor because I was sort of dictating the way my life was going. Right. And writing in it and writing in it and working through it, working through all of that through writing. Yeah. So. Wow. What does your personal meditation life look like? One of the the great things about working for ourselves is um, we get up every morning, we walk the dogs, we have three dogs, we walk the dogs. um, And then I come into my office and I meditate for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And recently I've been meditating uh, with some soft uh, flute music. And my wife, because our offices are so small, my wife goes into her office and does and meditates. Uh, And then we we do a bunch of stretches, a bunch of yoga. um, And then I write in my journal. Beautiful. And even on days when we're really busy, we make sure that we do that. Um, let's say we have a wedding to do because we're wedding florists as well. Mm-hmm. We make sure that we meditate, stretch, uh, and write. Uh, wow. Because that helps center us. Yes. Now, the reason I asked about your meditation practice is I know that there are a lot of various different styles. Some are more just breathing. Some are listening. Some are t- prayer. You know, some people pray during their meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- typically, or is there a typical for you, or do you have a variety of uh, meditation styles as you're meditating? When I, fir- when I first started my journey into spirituality, I would, I was, I really wanted to find out what was going on because, you know, the earth was sort of shaking apart around me because I was no longer connected to being a carpenter. And now what? Uh-huh. And, or I was meditating for an hour, you know, every day. Um, but it was mostly just sitting, focusing on my breathing and trying to clear my mind, you know, of the thoughts. Yeah. Um, and now that I write after my meditations, that helps me out a lot too, because a lot of times we'll get guidance in the meditation. I mean, I, I would do these hour long meditations and I would come out of them and I would instantly search for healing, like heat, like spiritual energy, healing, Reiki mm. healing, that kind of thing. Yes. Um, and I didn't know why, but now that I realize that the books and everything I'm doing in a way is it's a healing for me, but it's also healing for other people. Yes. If, so if you can learn to love yourself through something I write, then that's that's healing. Mm-hmm. No. So um, it, it, you make it sound simple. How how would an 
I was going to ask you advice for the beginning listener, but maybe I should ask you first, what advice would you give to somebody who needs to heal with self-love, but doesn't know where to begin? What's, where's the starting point? Great question. For me, I've learned that my inner voice, which is the voice of my true self-love, only speaks to me through love, kindness, and compassion. And every other voice that I hear that is not that gets ignored. So I'm probably the only person in my family that didn't take creative writing. And I'm probably the least person, the least likely person in my family to write a book, let alone have a book at the publisher and I'm writing my third book now. But if I believe that, if I let that thought circulate in my mind, that negative self-talk, I would be paralyzed. I would never write. But then there's that voice that says, you can do anything you want. All you have to do is trust the guidance. Yeah. That's the voice we want to listen to. Hmm. And that's a pretty easy voice to recognize. If it's, it sounds yeah. like if it's, if it's condemning, blame, shame, guilt, that's not the inner voice. Yeah, just of love. ignore it. And a lot of times you can, you'll hear it in meditation, or a lot of times maybe you'll see it in your writing, um, or a lot of times it's the voice that directs you right instead of left when you ask. I ride a motorcycle and I enjoy going to Southern Utah uh-huh. uh, on my motorcycle. And, and again, riding out there, finding a national park, camping and hiking for the whole time I'm there. And I remember coming back from a, one particular trip and I got on I-70 and the speed limit is 80 miles an hour, which on a motorcycle is really not that enjoyable. <sighs> But you have to focus. And I remember just having the throttle at 80 miles an hour thinking, boy, I'd really like a conversation right now. And I heard, it's better if you just focus on what you're doing and we can have a conversation later. And then it was like the door closed. It was like, okay. Wow. I just have to focus on what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pay attention to what's the now, what's at hand. Yes, exactly. And so then you just, you know, for me, I just sort of settled into it and just focused on what I was doing and became aware of everything around me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is a highly dynamic situation that anything can happen. And it's, it's a situation where you do want to be in touch with your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. And so for people that have a hard time meditating, if you're out there gardening or if you're out there skiing or walking your dog or whatever, and you can silence your mind, Uh, and gain insights into some of the things you're going through, then that's a beautiful meditation. Mm, Yes. So how does nature fit in with inner guidance? When when we're in nature, a lot of times our mind is really clear because we're so absorbed by the beauty, you know, whether we're in the desert or in the mountains or in the Red Rock Canyons of Utah or other parts of the country, we're so absorbed in the beauty that we we let down a lot of our emotional defenses. Mm-hmm. And this is a great opportunity to sort of just focus within and see if there's something you 
maybe an answer to a question you've been asking, or maybe ask yourself, you know, how do I solve this problem? And just let it percolate. Don't search for the answer, but just allow the answer to show up. Mm. But in na nature, is such a great cleanser of our energy. You know, when we're, you know, if we sit next to underneath a beautiful tree, oh, we just feel the whole energy of nature. We see the birds, we see the squirrels, the bugs, everything. Yeah. Uh, and so we sort of detach ourselves from the cell phone, the internet, the emails we have to do. Uh, so I would encourage anybody to go out into nature and just relax and listen, even if it's a, a walk through a park. You know, it doesn't have to be in a national forest. It doesn't have to be in Yosemite or Zion or anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it could be anywhere. Just walk through the park or walk by the river um, where we can sort of, like I said, detach ourselves from the electronic world and reconnect with the, phys the physical energetic world of nature. Yeah, beautiful. That's where I feel like I can listen best. Uh, that's my closest or my best spiritual pathway is out in nature sure. myself. Yeah. You know, and the cool thing about that is if we can really dial it in in nature, if we really have got it set up in nature where every time we go to nature, it's like, wow, we're connected uh, and we can feel it. We can hear our inner voice. Now we can transfer that to DIA while we're waiting for a flight. Now we can transfer it to Union Station while we're waiting for a train. You know, now we can transfer that to standing in line at the grocery store with the woman who's having a difficult time with her children or the guy, wow. the single dad that's having a difficult time. We can return to that place. Then we're really benefiting the people around us. Hmm. Because if we start getting stressed out, Everybody else is going to feel that energy too. Yeah. My dog knows if I'm stressed out. <laughs> They're pretty good yeah. detectors, aren't they? <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so if we're if we can calm ourselves and center ourselves in the wilderness and really create a great foundation of being able to do that. And we can now do that in the city or in a uh, in a business meeting or uh, in any kind of other experience where there are a lot of people around and emotions are high, we actually become a tremendous benefit mm. to the whole experience. We're not contributing to the negativity. We're pulling people out of, uh, out of the sort of the chaos into a place of center and peace. Yeah. Which is the, the ultimate goal. Yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a great practical application thinking of, you know, I'm in nature, but I'm going to take it home with me inside here so that I can, you know, spread it to everybody else. And we can all do that, you know, and that's how it begins and it spreads. It's, it's yes. exactly, you know, the, the cliche of tossing the pebble in the pond. Yeah, the ripple. If I say one or two good words to somebody, it's going to radiate out and affect other people in ways we'd never know. We, we have no idea. Wow. So, well, you, you said about, I don't know what, 85,000 words in this book? <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no 65. 55. And, and it's having its ripple effect now. And in fact, it, Thanks to this uh, book, we I feel like I've made a new friend. Yes, we have. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. Thank you, you so much for having me. I've been, it's been a real pleasure. Me too. And, and um, blessings to you and your wife, and hope we get to connect again soon. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Well, there you have it. A very wonderful visit with author and speaker Paul Hudon. He's the one who wrote Your Inner Guidance, and we will leave a link 
to that book in the show notes and be sure to check it out. It's a great book. We have it and we've been reading it ourselves. As always, it's great having you here on the journey. And remember, life is a gift, nature's a gift, and you are a gift back to the world. See you again soon, my friend.